0: time to get started here. Hey, if I haven't got a chance to meet you yet, I am Jake. I'm one of the uh, two pastors. You just got to meet Pastor Garrett. My name's Pastor Jake. If I haven't got to meet you, I would love to. Um, I would genuinely, genuinely love to meet you. So um, come say hi to me afterwards if you want. Uh, What we're doing, I'll just jump right into it today because I'm excited to do so. Uh, This summer, we had like one goal internally as a team, and that was simply to go through in our series on Sundays and talk about and really define who we are. And so we started the summer by talking about a series called Disciples. Our purpose is making disciples. That's our purpose. Our preference is that we would do it together, okay? Together, and so that's where this series comes from. The one Another's jumps right off of that, that launching pad of together. What they are... Is they are commands, their instructions, their guidelines given by God to us to help us to live together, and so that's the whole idea. That's why we're walking through the one another's. Uh, there are over around um, hundred verses in the Bible that um, that are these considered to be these one another's. About five weeks ago, we started. We talked about humility to give you an idea of what it's like. It's First Peter five. It says, "Clothe yourselves in humility toward." Here it is. One another. We talked about honesty in Ephesians 4. Speak truth to one another. In unity, uh, it was Romans 12. Be of the same mind or be unified with one another. Last week, Rory talked on encouragement. 1 Thessalonians 5. Encourage one another and build each other up. We decided to skip the four. Greet one another with a French kiss. Um, So... That's the, that's the European translation. Um, the holy kiss, I'm not going to do that. It is funny, though. Um, one of the members here, he always greets me with a kiss. Uh, and um, he, at first, he said, oh, I won't do that anymore. But he lied. And he's still kissing me every time he sees me. Um, and I love you, John. But we, <laughs> so, anyway, we're not going to talk about that. Today, we're going to talk about Forgiveness. Uh, The one another we're talking about is forgive one another. And so uh, we all, the truth is, we all desire to be forgiven. We all want to be forgiven. That is something we long for. In fact, um, uh, Ernest Hemingway wrote a, a little thing, a story about something that happened in his world about a father and a son who got into a fight. And the son, his name was Paco, which is a very famous Spanish name and um, they got in a fight and unfortunately the teenage son it just blew up, everything got crazy, and the son went away and they separated and they hadn't seen each other for years and the father, after just heartbroken years, spent time searching, trying to find his son, and as a last result, what he ended up doing is putting an ad inside of the paper, and the ad said this it said, Dear Paco, please meet me in front of the newspaper office at noon. All is forgiven. Love, Father. And as Hemingway tells the story, the next day at noon, there were 800 Pacos (laughs) at the newspaper stand because all seeking to try to find forgiveness from their Father. So we all long for forgiveness. There's something when we do something wrong, we almost expect that we would be forgiven, right? But ironically, we struggle when it comes to forgive others. That's where we struggle. We struggle when it comes to forgive others. So the two questions I want to tackle today, this is all we're going to talk about today, is why do we forgive and how do we forgive? That's what we're going to talk about today. Why do we forgive and how do we forgive? But first, what I want to do is I want to read the scripture. I want to talk about the, the passage. It's um, Colossians three twelve through 14. And I've asked Eric um, if he would stand up and read that. So there you are, Eric. When you are ready, go ahead and read Colossians uh, 3, 12 through 14. Thank you, Eric, man. That was great. So what we're going to do is we're going to break down. We're going to walk verse by verse through that passage. And so let's start in verse 12. Here's what it says. So, as those who have been chosen, or as as Bob or you uh, um, Calvinists out there, um, elected, as you have been elected of God, holy and beloved. And so what we notice here is Paul is writing to people who are following Jesus, He's writing to Christians, he's writing to believers, he's writing to the church. In essence, he is writing to us. And friends, it's super important when you read God's word that you make sure you know, because we want to always take God's word in context, but one of the ways in doing that is making sure you know who he's writing to or who the author is writing to, the original audience, because if you don't, you're going to interpret it incorrectly, and then unfortunately at that point, we will implement scripture incorrectly. And so it's super important whenever you read, you know who the author is talking to. In this case, he's talking to Christians. Paul is addressing us. And so verse 12, he goes on. He says, put on, um, which literally means to dress yourself. And so when you got up this morning, you picked out some clothes. Paul is saying, you know, he would want you to wear clothes. But he's saying that you should also put on these five virtues. Here's what you should wear. He says, a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, Gentleness and patience, bearing with, and here it is, one another, and forgiving. That is our topic today, each other. Forgiving each other. And so the word bearing one another is one Greek word, and it, what it means is to put up with, or to put up with one another, or patiently endure. And I feel like this is my wife's job. Um, This is what she does best. She has uh, three kids in the house, me included, and I feel like she continually is patiently enduring. She is bearing with us. She is bearing with one another. She's bearing with her family. Um, The word forgiveness in that passage, it's a beautiful word. The Greek root word of that, um, to forgive, is actually the word charis, which literally means grace, And so what Paul is saying here is that we are to grace one another. So I am to grace you, you are to grace me, we are to exchange graces with one another. And grace literally is this, it's an unmerited favor. And so it means I'm going to grace you, or I'm going to forgive you, no strings attached. Right? Whether you forgive me or not is not in the equation. I will simply grace you. I will simply forgive you. That's what Paul is saying there. Verse 13, he says, Whoever has a complaint or a criticism or a grievance or an objection against anyone, so that includes us, just as the Lord forgave you, and here are our instructions, so also should you. And so let me ask you, and I really am asking you right now, you can just go ahead and shout it out. How does God forgive us? Like, how did God forgive us? Anyone? Man, you guys, we got we to work on this. <laughs> right? That, so how did God forgive? How did for God, God forgive us? He gave his son, he gave his son right? Yeah? There's, that's true? Completely. Completely. I love that answer right there. Anybody else want to take a stab at it? Freely. Freely. Unconditionally, he forgets, which is very interesting. We'll talk about that in a second. Yes? Anything else? That's it? (laughs) All right, we're done, guys. Let's pray. (laughs) Feel good about this right now. Verse 14, here's what it is it says, Beyond all these things, put on love, which is, here it is, the perfect bond of unity. The perfect bond of unity. Above all else, what he's saying is that there should be love. Um, In other passage in the Bible, Jesus basically says they will know us by our what? By our love. They will know us by our love, which that is the glue, seriously, that holds all relationships together. Love is, and the perfect bond of unity. And a couple weeks ago, Garrett spoke on um, unity. That was his topic, and I'm thrilled to say that he didn't pass out, um, I, didn't, I didn't know he talked about a story about that he has a habit of passing out when he's doing public speaking that was not covered in the interview process I just want you to um, I did not come up uh, so but I'm glad he didn't pass out but here's what he said when he talked a couple weeks ago he said unity is choosing the imperative over the important. So it's choosing the most important. If you want to have unity, choose the most important over what is of lesser importance. And that's how we'll find unity. And what it is here is we all desire to have the perfect bond of unity. We do. Every one of us, right? When it comes to the one another's. When it comes to living together, we don't want to live in arguments. Nobody loves to be in a fight with their spouse. And if you do, that's really strange. Nobody likes to argue and fight with their kids all the time. We want this perfect bond of unity. That's what Paul's talking about here. That is the ideal, right? That we would live in perfect bond of unity. That's the ideal. But we don't live in the ideal. We live in the real, right? The land of the real, And in this place, this is called a broken world, we live in a broken world, and so it isn't always perfect, and therefore unity isn't always possible, right? It's not always possible. I mean, you take one glance at our political landscape, and the only thing we're unified on is that we are not unified. That's it, right? And so unity sometimes does not, most all the time doesn't work, because we live in a broken world, and so in... In replacement of that, what we need is forgiveness. Forgiveness comes into play then. Because there isn't unity. I will say things to hurt you. You will say things to hurt me. We say things to hurt each other. Therefore, there's a lot of hurt and forgiveness needs to come into play. If we had the perfect bond of unity, we wouldn't need forgiveness. But we do need forgiveness. And so, and we need to forgive. And so let's answer the first question. Why? Why should we forgive? Why do we forgive? And I've thought about this, I'll be honest with you, i thought about this a ton. What is the root motivation that we should have, first and foremost, when it comes to why we should forgive? And the answer to that, I think, is obedience. I think it's obedience. I think that should be enough. Unfortunately, it's not enough, Right? Unfortunately, it's not enough. It's it's the same thing. I never thought I'd say this as a parent, but when Percy does something wrong and I tell him he needs to do this and he says, why? I have said the words because I told you so, right? That is enough as a parent. It is because I know that I have the best intentions for my kid. Same thing with God. He has the best intentions for us. And when we don't like, if it's not obedience, if, or if it's not um, obedience, yeah, then it, it's a matter of trust. Do we trust that he has our best in mind? And God does have our best in mind, and that's the second reason for why we forgive, and that is this, it's deliverance. First, we should do it first and foremost out of obedience, but one of the benefits is deliverance. That is a benefit, and deliverance from what? Here's what it's a deliverance from. From bitterness, from anger, From festering resentment, forgiveness offers freedom. It offers liberation. It offers release, deliverance from harbored hurts that are inside our heart that hold us back. That's what forgiveness offers to us. Leonardo da Vinci, uh, when he painted the picture of the Last Supper, here's the picture right here. He was in an argument with another fellow painter, and a lot of words were, this is, this is a true story. He was in, in an argument with another painter, and it didn't work. It wasn't going so well, and so um, he was angry. He was frustrated, so when he painted the picture of the Last Supper, um, you know what he did? He took that painter's face, and he painted it on Judas, right? Right? <laughs> So Judas, as he was doing that, he painted this painter's face so that everybody who saw this picture would know what a lying, conniving person that this man was. But then what happened is Leonardo kept going back and he kept doing the rest of the painting. He kept painting and painting and painting. And when he got to the face of Jesus, he was struggling. He couldn't seem to figure it out. He couldn't seem to get it. He got frustrated, and then he finally figured out what it was. Why he couldn't do it is because he was harboring all this frustration. So what he went and did is he went and he forgave his friend or forgave the fellow painter, and then he painted a different face on Judas. And then at that point in time, he had the freedom within to be able to paint the face of Jesus. And that's what you have is one of the most famous pictures that have ever been painted in history. And it had a struggle within it. And so please hear me. We don't forgive. Catch this. We don't forgive so that we can let our offender off the hook. That's not why we forgive. We forgive so that we can get healthy. Does that make sense? We don't forgive so that they'll get off the hook. We forgive so that they will get. Or so that we will become healthy. Now a quick quick Clarification. A quick side note, if you will. Forgiveness, this is important. Forgiveness doesn't mean forgetting. Now, someone mentioned that Jesus, when he forgave, or God, when he forgives, he throws our sins from as far as the east is from the west. And whether he technically forgets, okay, well, we can go there or not. We do not have that option. We cannot forget. This is is not reality. We cannot wish ourselves divine amnesia and then just hope and click our heels and all of a sudden we've erased the hurts and we've erased the memories. That's straight up impossible. And here's the trap. Hear this. This is so crazy. Here's the trap. When we buy into the lie, when we buy into the spiritual myth that in order to fully forgive, we must forget, we realize quickly that we can't forget. And that sometimes, no matter what we have done because of the, the, the sin against us was so horrific, we can't, we, we can't help but remember. And so then we struggle and we think, I can't forget, and therefore I can't forgive. And that is a trap to walk in. Because you're never going to be able to forget, but you can forgive. And there's a difference there. Forgiveness doesn't mean forgetting. William Paul Young Uh, He's an author. He's the one who wrote The Shack, and if you haven't read that book or watched that movie, I strongly suggest it. Here's what he said. He says, forgiveness is not about forgetting. It's about letting go of the other person's throat. That's a great statement. It's about letting go of the other person's throat. We do not forgive because somebody deserves it. Right? We do not forgive because someone else deserves it. We forgive first and foremost because Jesus Commanded us to, he asked us to. We forgive because they need it. And catch this we forgive because we need it. That's why we forgive. That's why we forgive. Out of obedience and out of, and out of, for obedience and for deliverance. All right, so let's talk about the second question how do we forgive? We're going to spend the majority of our time on this question. How do we forgive? Now, normally, here's the thing. I, uh, I, I'm going to suggest that you take notes. And here's why I'm going to suggest that you take notes. is Normally, when I talk, I always have like one point that I want to nail down. Because I want, hey, we can all walk out and remember one thing, right? Hopefully. And so, um, unfortunately, today, I have six steps that I want to walk through. Six steps that I want you to remember. And here's why I'm having you write it down. Is, and if you want, there's paper in front of you. But the reason I want you to write it down is if you're like me, you're going to go through the, something's going to happen. You're going to need to forgive. And you're probably not going to recall all six steps at the time when you need to forgive. And so that's why I want you to write it down. But here is the first step in how we forgive. And this is probably the most important. We have to start here. This is where we have to start. Number one, remember how much God forgave you. Remember how much God forgave you. Paul nails it in verse 13. He says, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Now hear this, I think this is interesting. The reason we don't often remember the extent of what God has done for us or how much he's forgiven us is because we have a very small view of sin. A very small view of our sin. We do not take our sin seriously. We do not take our rebellion seriously. We do not take, key word here, treason, our treason against God seriously. We downplay what we have done. And because we have a very small view of our sin, catch this, we have a small view of Grace. Because we have a small view of sin, of what we've done and what we've done against God, we have a small view of grace. But the good news is, is when we begin to recognize, when we begin to recall, when we begin to remember the weight of our sin, then we will see the enormity, the enormity of how much we have been forgiven. And it is in that moment, it is when that happens, that we can't help but forgive others. Does that make sense? C.S. Lewis puts it like this. It's an amazing, I love this quote. He says, to be a Christian means to forgive. Now catch this. The inexcusable in others. Because Christ has forgiven the inexcusable in us. I love his word choice right there. Inexcusable. Some of you have probably already thought, well, I can't forgive them, Jake, because what they've done is without excuse. And it's only when we realize what we have done against Christ, which we were without excuse when we sinned against him, and the enormity of our sin is huge. It's so huge that only one person in the history of the planet could take care of our sin. And that person just happened to be God. That's how big our sin is, and he took care of it. It's enormous. It It is inexcusable. And when we recognize that, We can forgive the inexcusable things that people do to us. We can start to get to that point. We can start to excuse it. So remembering first and foremost how much God forgave us is key to this whole process. Number two is identify the offense. Okay? Identify the offense. Now this is a difficult but it is an important step. And this is why I think Christian counseling is such a great thing. I think it's so amazing. You get to sit down with someone, and they get to help you walk through the offense that you have walked through, or somebody, how they've sinned against you. You get to talk it out, and you get to get to the root of the problem. This is what happened. And most times, when you get to the root of what happened, you'll realize that there was an offense. But, hear me, sometimes, if you really think about it, you will find it's either a misunderstanding Or it's unmet expectations. That they didn't actually sin against you. You just had these expectations and then they didn't meet those. And so here you are harboring feelings or frustrations and there's no need to. And so you've got to identify the offense. An example of this is when you go to the emergency room and you've been injured for something, right? And you go up to the doctor and the doctor or the nurse are going to ask you the question, what happened, right? And the reason they want to know what happened is they want to put the whole story, the whole situation in context. And they want to figure out what the actual incident was so they can know how to help you. Same thing here. We need to identify the exact offense, therefore we know how to address it. And then we take that to God. And that's actually the third one. Here it is. Bring, this is huge, bring any bitterness to Jesus. Any bitterness. To Jesus. I love this quote. I don't know who wrote it. It's anonymous, so I'm just going to say I wrote it, um, and so, um, so just this is what I think. This is what I say all the time, okay? Harboring bitterness is like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. Have you ever heard that before? Yeah, I said it. Exactly. <laughs> so, Harboring bitterness is like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. Paul also talks about bitterness. He says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger. And what are we supposed to do with it? It's real simple. We're supposed to give it to Jesus. We're supposed to give it to Jesus. Now, I'm going to assume that the moment that we started talking on this topic of forgiveness, that somebody popped into your mind that there's somebody's face that hit your head and if we're really honest if we're really if you're really honest there's probably some resentment there's probably some bitterness there might even be some anger inside of there that's holding you back that's being harbored inside of your heart and i want to say this in all love and in all grace that bitterness that resentment even that anger that's sin That is sin. You say, well, Jake, that's justified because of what they did to me. No. The bitterness, the resentment, and the anger towards them, that's sin. And we have to bring that to Jesus. And and the reason he wants you to bring it to him is because it's a big weight that you're carrying on your back. It's like carrying a backpack full of bricks, right? Right? And you're walking around in life and it's there. And he's saying, take it off and hand it to me. Now here's the thing. The problem when I have to get up here and do these talks all the time is sometimes I don't have all this stuff nailed down, right? And I have to wrestle through it before I talk about it in my own life. And so I really, as I was going through this, um, I really thought, oh my gosh, do I have any bitterness? Do I have any anger? Do I have any resentment towards people? And I ended up... Really wrestling through it, and found that there are three three people now they 're not in this room, so you 're cool, right <laughs> um, but there are three people that i 'm literally like, Oh man, they hurt me, and they 're my friends actually they're, they are they're, they're people I would consider to be friends, and I was hurt from them. it was painful, and I found myself being bitter and being frustrated. And um, I've even in the office, as I've sat in the office with Garrett, I've even joked about how angry I am at this person or one of the three. And, but there's three. There are three out there. And I've been wrestling with that all week. These six steps, I've been walking through them this week on my, on my accord. You know, I've been, I've been wrestling through these. And I know it's common, right? Right? I know that all of us have somebody we were, we're harboring this bitterness, this resentment for, and it, it's time to forgive. And so I spent this week trying to forgive these three. Now, I'm not going to call them and say, hey, I forgive you. You know, you can do that in some situations, but they'll be like, for what? What did I do wrong, you know? Some of them may not even realize, but I've been hurt by them. And so here, and it ties right into the next one, the, 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 the fourth thing. Release any Right, any right to revenge or repayment. Okay? And this one is a tough one for me because there is a natural bend towards revenge. I don't know about you, but how many, like for me, how many of you have ever, ever daydreamed or planned or prepared a speech in your mind for the next moment that you are going to see that person? And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell them off. I know exactly what I'm going to tell them. I have done this. I'm embarrassed to say that I have done this. It is very common in there. And we've got to release that. Otherwise, it's going to eat us up. It's going to eat us up. Here's a great definition for forgiveness. If you're looking for a definition, forgiveness is surrendering my desire to hurt you for hurting me. That's what what forgiveness is. It is surrendering my desire to hurt you for hurting me. And if that is true, then we actually break the cycle of hurt when we forgive. That's what we do. We break the cycle of hurt. And so we must release any right to revenge or repayment. Now, the the fifth one is much like the fourth one, but it's this. It's release them from any expectation to change or apologize. Okay? Release them from any expectation to change or apologize. Please hear this. If, you are extending, if your extension of forgiveness is predicated on that person changing or them owning up for what they did, you will be waiting a long, 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 long time. You could be. And so we've got to release them from any expectation that they are going to change or apologize. Now let me make this clear because this is super important. Forgiveness and reconciliation are two different things, okay? Forgiveness and reconciliation are two different things. I am not saying just because you forgive someone that you immediately have to trust them. Because sometimes that trust, it needs to be re-earned, Right? And sometimes, it's never re-earned. And that relationship is irreparably damaged. It is destroyed. And so Rick Warren says this in his Purpose Driven Life. He says, forgiveness must be immediate, whether the person asks for it or not. Okay. Trust must be rebuilt over time. Trust requires a track record. So there are two different things. William Paul Young says this, same guy who wrote The Shack, he said, forgiveness in no way requires that you trust the one that you forgive. The Apostle Paul says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And sometimes, friends, let's just be flat out honest, it's not possible. It is not possible. That person will never change they're never going to own up to what they did. They're not going to come up to you and say, I'm so sorry. I was totally out of line. My bad. Will you forgive me? They may never say that, right? And so forgiving someone cannot be predicated upon or based upon or dependent upon whether they will change or whether or not they will apologize. That, hear this, this is huge. That is between them and Jesus. You forgiving them. You Releasing them from that expectation, that is between you and Jesus. And so forgiveness cannot be predicated upon their apologies or whether or not they will change. Now, here's the last step. This one's huge. This is when you know that you've arrived at forgiveness. Number six, pray that God would bless them. Pray that God would bless them. And again, some of you are probably like, no way, Jake, uh-uh. That is not happening. I cannot do that. You do not know what they did. And I will tell you this, in as much humility and grace and love as I can, it says, if, and that is, if you really, you really haven't forgiven that person unless you can pray this for them. You truly haven't. And if there's one thing, truly, if there's one thing I could, like, encourage you this week, it's this step right here. Pray For those who have hurt you, pray that they will be blessed by God. And I ask that you even pray that for them daily because sometimes actions precede feelings. And if you start praying for them, all of a sudden what will happen is God will open your eyes, He will open your your heart, and you'll begin to see them the way that God sees them. How does God see them? As hurt, broken individuals. And hurt people, hurt people. We all know that, right? And so, when you start to see them that way, then you have a little bit more understanding, and God will bring your heart towards them, more towards His heart towards them. When uh, when Maggie got her diagnosis, we went on a bunch of vacations, um, and because you know we wanted to spend as much time as possible. One of the vacations we went on was to Hawaii. We got to go to. A cabin that was right on the beach. It was pretty amazing. So we were right on this cabin, and I remember we had spent the morning, we went in the morning, we went down to the beach, and what was so cool is this was in the locals' area, so there wasn't a lot of tourists. The beach was pretty much darn near clear. Hardly anybody on the beach. And what was crazy, we spent all this time there, and then all of a sudden this family comes in, and we see them off in the distance. They take a long time walking over. And I'm not joking you, I'm sitting next to my wife, and we're right here, and all of a sudden, this guy, out of the entire beach, sits about this far from us, directly in front of us. He slams down his surfboard, right into the, gra- into the sand, and then sits down right there. And his family comes right next to him, and I'm like, oh no, you didn't, right? <laughs> Like, that is not cool with me. Now, we're getting ready to leave anyway, right? Or we haven't done that, but we're, we're done. We're in our mind. We're done. Um, and so I could have just not said anything and just let it go, but uh, that's not how I work. So, um, And so I, uh, I had a conversation with this guy. And, and I, let, I like, dude, what's going on? Because literally, I'm not kidding you. There might have been one kid playing over there and a couple holding hands walking down the beach over there. The entire beach was clear. I come to find out that he is a local and the reason he's going to that spot is because it's the one place where there is shade on the beach. And he wants to take it, that he wants to own it. So he doesn't want no tourists to come over. So as a local, he stakes his claim. The moment I say one word to him, he explodes on me. Full-fledged explode. He is just goes off on me. And I am like, dude, I get that it, yeah, I, I get that this this is your place, but we were here first. It's called common courtesies, like you don't own the beach, I know, but neither do you, you know, kind of a deal. And we're having this conversation. It's getting heated, like it's getting bad, and I just am so angry. Eventually, my mother-in-law walks up, right? If you've met Jill, sweetest, kindest, thought she thought, well, maybe I'll just love him to death, right? (laughs) And so she says nice things to him, but will you please move? And he just rips her a new one. And it was just terrible. And I remember at this point just about, um, just, just so frustrated. And I don't know why I said this. I wish I did not. Okay? No, it's not something negative. Like, I didn't yell at him. I told him, out of frustration look my daughter is dying of cancer and we're on a vacation together as a family come on and his words back to me was I don't care about your personal problems is what he said and then he said something else but that's all I heard right I can't tell you I I almost decked this man I truly did, except for my daughter who's sitting back there, right there. She was right on my leg. She was right there. I can't punch a man when my daughter's right here and say, you can't hit, you know? (laughs) So, but I was so angry. We left that place, and I'm not kidding you, for, it's been two years now. It's been years, and I remember a year into this, I was still, every time I thought of it, I'm so angry. But I took time to realize, and I I started to pray for this guy. I really did. I started to pray for him. I would pray for the jerk in Hawaii. I didn't know his name. (laughs) I just prayed, God, please bless the jerk in Hawaii. Okay? Whatever his name was. I prayed for him over and over again. And what was interesting is that God changed my heart about him. I don't know where he is now or what he's doing. I know he is a broken man. Right? I feel bad for his family. That that's what he walks them through. You could tell that the wife was not cool with what was going on. But she just, it was a real thing. And I started to pray for him, and God changed my heart to him. And I wish him the best. I pray that God would bless his life. Not so that he will change and he will learn, but I pray that God would change his life. Wanna know why? Because God loves him. And I need to love him like God loves him. And so that's what we should do. I encourage you this week, I ask that you would pray for the ones that have hurt you. Pray for those who persecute you. Pray for them and ask that God would bless them. I want to close with this. To forgive is one thing, right? But God calls us to be forgiving. That means it's going to happen over and over and over again. Or it needs to happen over and over again on a continual basis. And sometimes we need to be forgiving about the same incident because it was so bad. It was so horrific. Martin Luther King, he said this. He said, forgiveness is not an occasional act. It is a constant attitude. And I love Jesus' response in Matthew 8. He says, this is what happened. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother? or sister who sins against me, up to seven times. And what Peter was doing there is he was trying to be generous, right? Should I forgive him seven times? Because that's a lot. And Jesus is like, no. He's like, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. And for you literalists out there, you're probably like, I have forgiven them 77 times, and I'm done, (laughs) right? That's not the point of what Jesus is saying. He says you should be continually forgiving, we should be forgiving people. And I'm not saying, hear me on this, I'm not saying that it's easy because this is not easy. This is not normal. This is not natural. But God is asking us to do something supernatural. And that is to step outside or beyond ourselves what we think we can do and forgive. And when once we forgive and it comes back in again, we forgive again and we become forgiving people. We are forgiving one another we do that you guys in this room and outside of this room we will nail that together portion of our purpose we will nail it making disciples together even in the process of that we're going to rub each other the wrong way but if we forgive one another in the process we will truly live well together